Live from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, broadcasting from the pods moving and storage studio, it's the Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work they love, and create amazing relationships. I'm George Campbell, joined this hour by my good friend and my arch nemesis, Dr. John Deloney, best-selling author and host of The Dr. John Deloney Show. You can listen to that wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube as well if you want to see John's face. It's a glorious face. And hey, we have a a wild uh, studio audience today, so it's good to see everybody Yeah, out the there. camera can't even pan to capture all the people. It's yeah. just too many. It's, it's, it's pretty so, wild. It's good. I don't know. I, th- I thought you guys had a job or something. If but you want to visit us, we have room. That's yeah. all we're saying. It's This is the dead time after you know people's winter break. They're back in school. They're not Here's traveling Here's what's so good about, about you, George. Um, you're able to look at a situation like this and not immediately get existentially down on yourself. Well, there's millions of people listening. Not everyone's going to tune in to a radio show live from a lobby, but That's I want to let them true. know we're here. That's very true. And uh, we appreciate you all tuning in. The number to call is 888-825-5225. You jump in. We'll talk about your life, your money, your relationships, your mental health. You name it. Melissa kicks us off in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Melissa, welcome to the show. Hi. Hey, hey. How so you doing? glad to be here. We are so glad to have you. What's going on? Well, we uh, I just found out that my husband's been giving my brother-in-law a large amount of money. Um, I knew we were giving him some, but I just found out that it's a lot more than I thought. And he did kind of come clean about what he thought he'd given him. He's not been keeping track of it, but it's been in the thousands and he's not, you know, been holding him accountable or anything, just giving him the cash. So what did Um, you guys agree on originally when you talked about this and you said, Hey, I'm cool with this. It's going to be how much a month? We didn't really agree. He just, um, he would, you know, I knew that my brother-in-law needed some and he had given him some, you know, and, I don't know that we didn't really like sit down and say, okay, this is what we need to give him. I just knew that he had given him some. We all have the same account. He and I have the same accounts. We all have each, you know, the login. So I could have logged in and kind of found this out early. I just don't typically check behind him like that because I've never had the need to. Are you and, frustrated um, at yourself? Are you frustrated at him or at both? Uh, I guess both, but I know my brother-in-law is in need. I just don't he he said from here forward he would he will tell me everything that he gives him you know we'll agree to it and all that kind of stuff and he I, said I think he, he I think gonna, I don't think that's I think that's going to that's a recipe for disaster for you too. Oh really? Yes. I think you need to set up a set amount on this end of it and a set of values for which we will put money towards and those which we will not because him just telling you what he's spending, you are going to slowly, the resentment is just going to start moving up like a thermometer until it finally blows. And he's going to look at you and say, what? I told you. Mm-hmm. And you will have felt like you uh, were setting money on fire in the living room. And so I think you guys need to have yeah. the hard conversation, you and your husband, um, that he didn't lie to you, but you don't feel like he told you the whole, like, this is out of character for him to give somebody five or ten thousand dollars and not mention the, the number, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit shady. And if and if you called him on it, he would say, "I told you I was giving him money." And so here you are. I think we. I think you turn all the lights on, you turn the music off, stop the party, and say, "You gave ten thousand dollars. This is out of character. You knew 
deep down that I would have had a problem with how much you were giving him. And if you say I wouldn't keep in track, come on, man. And so no, we did have the conversation. We did go through all that. Okay. And he did. And and basically what he said was, I was wrong. I should never Good done for that. Him. Good for him. I, you know. Yeah. And and I, you know, and I said this is so out of character for you. You know, because it, it really is. Or so I thought. We've been married twenty, uh, nearly twenty five years. And um, and I said it's just you know he's always had a good mindset about money and accountability and you know he agreed that we we have just one daughter and she's grown you know in her 20s and and I said you would never just give her thousands and not make her accountable why is it okay to give your brother that and he just feels really sorry for him and I do too get that, you know get that. he's yeah and um and so I just I want to I don't really know like this you know, point forward, like, I, I would should say, we hire like a third party? To no, 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 no. This is about y'all being grownups. And I would, I, it's, I, I'm going to put words in your mouth, so feel free to not use these exact words, okay? But I would say something along the lines of, hey, I've had a couple of days to think on our conversation. I'm really grateful that you took ownership of what you did. That means a lot to me. And I'm not in a place yet where I feel safe. And make it all about you. It's not about him. This is about you. Mm-hmm. I don't feel safe um, just saying we're just going to do this however, whenever. And so let's come up with a number that we're going to say this is what we're going to give him. And let's talk about when we're going to give it to him, how we're going to give it to him, why we're going to give it to him. And the conversation, husband, you need to have with your brother about this is it. Or we will we will come back to the well, but he's gonna have to make a presentation to the fit. Whatever makes you feel safe and, and, and comfortable. But let's put some boundaries on this thing. Let's put some um, uh, let's put some very clear parameters on this before it gets going any further. Melissa, there's three steps. Number one is what John said. It's between you two and communication. And what happened here was you had a thought that you thought was communication, but there was no expectation set out loud. And so we need to do that, number one. Number two, he needs to have the conversation with the brother, setting the boundaries of what this looks like. Very clearly what this looks like, when it's going to end, how much, all the things John said. And number three, you guys need to get on a written plan, a budget that both of you have agreement on, that both of you look at every month. It's not he does it, I look at it once a month to see what happened in the past that is a recipe for disaster. And so I'm going to gift you every dollar premium for one year to make this really easy for you all to do a budget every single month and stick to it. And then it becomes, hey, guess what? That giving to the brother, it was in the budget. So there's no money fights about this anymore. It's that mm-hmm. simple. That sounds good. Is that cool? And before we let you go, Melissa, are you an Alabama fan? I have to be living here. That's true. I don't have a choice. You can't be swimming upstream. I was hoping you were going to stand strong, but I should have known, Melissa. I should have known. <laughs> we love you anyways, yeah. Melissa. We love you anyways. Wow. Anyways. Well, this is, a, it's, this is a, a very common conundrum where money and relationships get involved, and it usually stems around communication. Well, and also, I think it's she called something out that's really important for everybody listening. Um, I can... The roles we play in our life are almost always environmentally specific. What I mean by that, I had a a reputation in my professional life of being really frugal, like obnoxiously frugal, always coming in on budget or under budget. In my private life, my wife is like, wow, you are a co-host of Ramsey Show and this is how you do this. Big dog. So he was a financially secure guy. He always was really diligent and intentional. But when it came to the love between him and his brother, 
He kind of went crazy and became somebody he didn't want to be. So when you catch somebody in a different role, let's bring them back to home base and say, this is who we're going to be moving forward. And this is my expectation for you. And I love that you got to write it down. You got to be clear and then you got to move on. That's wisdom. Hey, more of your calls coming up. 888-825-5225. This is The Ramsey Show. Hey guys, it's Rachel Cruz here to tell you about a faith-based alternative to health insurance that can make healthcare more affordable. Christian Healthcare Ministries. CHM allows members to share each other's healthcare costs and it's as easy as one, two, three. Step one, choose the healthcare provider you want. Step two, submit your eligible bills. And step three, get reimbursed. CHM members take care of your eligible medical bills. With no network and the freedom to choose your healthcare provider, CHM is the best option for Christians who want to take care of their families and help other believers. Find out more at chministries.org slash budget. That's chministries.org slash budget. Welcome back to The Ramsey Show. I'm George Camel, joined this hour by Dr. John Deloney. Open phones at 888-825-5225. You jump in, we'll talk life, money, mental health, relationships, whatever is on your mind. Amber joins us up next in Seattle. Amber, welcome to the show. Hello, thanks for having me. Absolutely. What's going on? Um, okay, so me and my husband, we uh, grossed last year uh, $84,672. Um, we've been debt-free since 2017, um, so that's pretty good. But we kind of got sidetracked a little bit as we're in 2023 and we're still working the baby steps. Um, <laughs> so my question today is we both have a whole life insurance policy um, we pay $7,548 a year for this policy. Ouch. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, at best, um, my husband would get, I don't have my numbers in front of me, but he would get 600,000, no, sorry, at worst, um, because there's the paid up additions. Um, I, I'm sure you guys know about those, but, um, with that, uh, so at worst he would get $600,000 at best, he would get 1.269 million. Um, and that's with, in our policy, we would get the, um, the paid up additions or that cash value. Uh, well, that paid up additions would be added in. So that's part of our policy. Um, so if you canceled it today, what would you get? <laughs> um, if we got cash value today, it'd be, uh, $32,000. Okay. And what's your question today? Um, so that's the cash value. And I mean, his would be, so we're right at that six year mark. So his would be the death benefit would be 219,000. So my question is, and my gut is kind of telling me to cancel that as soon as possible, use that 32,000 to finish up our baby steps, which is $5,451 to finish that up. And then we'll have a fully loaded emergency fund. So that's kind of what I'm leaning towards, but you know, having (laughs) some reassurances, Always nice. We also have a term life insurance policy. Both of us have $400,000 each for that. I've talked to the rep and he kind of recommends getting a little bit higher and canceling that $400,000 one and, and then doing 500000 for me and 750000 for my husband. Is that closer to 10, 10 times, 12 times your incomes? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that's the, that's the move. And make sure that you have those term policies in place before you cancel. Uh, and I think you're exactly right. What you're feeling right now is the emotion of sunk cost fallacy, where you went, oh, yeah. <laughs> we fell for this thing, we've been paying so much into it, and we could have yeah. had 1.2, but now we're going to have $30,000, yeah. and this sucks. And uh, this is what yeah. we call a stupid tax, where you go, that was dumb, right. shouldn't have fell for <laughs> it, 
and I'm going to get term life. It's going to be a fraction of the cost. What are you paying for term life? Uh, it's like $530 a month right now or a year. Sorry. A year. That sounds more like yeah. it. And so right now you're yeah. paying 625 a month for those whole life policies. And you could be paying 500 bucks a year right. for the same amount of coverage. Yeah. And so with the so difference, you, you can use uh, that towards yeah. the baby steps, <laughs> the amount that you're saving every right. month. You can go invest that. You can use it to live your best life and uh, not fall for these stupid whole life scams again. Yeah. I guess my next question would be, um, once we have gotten the, that third baby step, um, we, we rent right now for about $1,200 a month, which is pretty much unheard of in, in Washington. That's a good deal. Um, and it's a four bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> it's a four, a four bedroom, bedroom. House with like some, yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, so my husband's a teacher and he kind of gets some benefits through working at the school system. But so, I mean, it's, it's a really great opportunity as far as our rental is concerned, but, um, we want to eventually buy. So because we don't have that mortgage, um, where do we, like, do we keep putting money into like the baby steps, the 15% and slowly building up a down payment? Or do we just shove a bunch of money towards a down payment? So we have a baby step that's hidden in there called baby step 3B, where you can save aggressively <laughs> for the down payment before you start investing if you'd like. And so if you can do that in yeah. under two years and have that down payment in place, that's great. Some people go, you know what? I'd rather get started investing. Uh, I'm going to invest up to the match and whatever's beyond that we can put towards the down payment. Some people go, mm. I'm going to do all 15%. Whatever's left, we're going to put towards that down payment. Obviously, that's going to slow you down a little bit on the down payment side, but it's all about yeah. your goals and how quickly you want to get into a home. And if you're happy with your rent right now and you'd rather get to investing, you can split the difference. And uh, Amber, yeah. um, while, while you and George were talking, I ran a few numbers here. Um, Love when John does math. It's so yeah, the world the world <laughs> needs Dylan to do more math. Um, so let's say you had zero dollars in investments, and you, did you say it was about seventy five hundred dollars a year y'all were putting in? Mm-hmm. Is that each or just in, or individually? Uh, total. Total. So, okay. Uh, for both of us, yeah. So if I divide that out by twelve, that's six hundred twenty nine bucks a month. Okay, that you're put mm-hmm. you're putting in, right? Yep. At a ten percent annual return which is a little less than what the stock market has been over the last 50 years, you would end up with $4.8 million. I know. I'm like kicking myself because six years has made a big difference. It's like $1.2 million. <laughs> there, right. But you see how it just feels like, okay, yeah. uh, like max, we can get 1.2. Yeah. And you can see why Dave is so adamant and has been for years, get out of those products. Because yeah. here, here's the part that's infuriating. Somebody's making 4.8. It's just not you. Right. Right. You're going to make 800 and you're going to hand 4 million of your dollars to somebody else. Yeah. And they're going to say, thank you. I will apply this to my third yacht. Appreciate you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so good for you. Good for you. Way to go, Amber. We're cheering you uh, on, on the journey. Appreciate the call. Let's move on to Jackson in Tampa, Florida. Jackson, welcome sorry, to the show. Sorry, Miss Jackson. Ooh. I apologize. What's up? That, Jackson. Yeah, I was- I was expecting it as soon as I heard John was on the call. And I knew I knew it was coming. I am for I real. almost wanted to give you a different name just so John wouldn't have that opportunity. <laughs> hey man, my ra- name rhymes with the lunch meat, dude. We we're all on the same team here. What's up, man? Yeah, uh, hey, yeah, I just uh was wondering uh I know Dave recommends mutual funds over like the low cost index funds. And from my limited knowledge, I was thinking that the index funds typically outperform when you take into account the fees. So I was wondering kind of what the math is behind the uh, recommendation. It's a great question. And it's one we get a lot around here. And we actually just recently 
had a meeting where we actually walked through the numbers on this and it was showing us the charts from the last 30 years. And truthfully, let me just say this, Jackson, up front, you can be a multimillionaire either way. And so this is a very nuanced conversation. We're not talking about crypto versus index funds or single stocks versus mutual funds. We're talking about something that is very similar where you have a group of stocks all together and the index is just saying it's going to be passively managed, which is why you have a lower cost on your expense ratios. That's what you're talking about, correct? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yep. And so with the actively managed mutual funds, there can be an upfront fee. There can be a higher expense ratio. And the idea here is there are very smart people actively managing those portfolios and choosing those stocks in order to beat the index. Does it beat them every time, every year? No. But can it over time? And can you choose the right ones? It's definitely possible. And uh, you can pull the numbers, you know, a lot of different ways. But the I thought I thought that it, was it was it Vanguard. Somebody just came out with a study, and, and again, I don't want to misquote somebody, but it was an index fund company that came out and said, "Hey, they they beat us by three percent." They were honest about it, which they is had really a study cool. that said if you work with an advisor, mm-hmm. that you will have an on average, I think, about a three percent higher return. Long-term. Which which I, I I hold in high esteem. I hold them in high esteem for having the courage to come up and, and not bury that. Right? They said, "Hey, yeah. we have a great product here, but." If you get with a good a good team, they they can out they can outperform us. Isn't that almost the opposite of the like what's been kind of in the past? As far as what like random walk down Wall Street, like if you read the book Random Walk Down Wall Street or something like that. Yeah, I mean if you look at, you know, the there's the bogleheads out there, there's the people who follow kind of Warren Buffett's train of thought. And if you just put your money into a Vanguard index fund and do that consistently, then yes, you will become a millionaire and you'll be just fine. For the people that we're talking to, on average, if they do it themselves, they're going to do something stupid along the way. They're going to pull their money out early. They're not thinking about tax advantages. They're not thinking about estate planning. And so that's why we recommend working with an advisor when you have that level of wealth. There's just more to manage. And, and let me tell you this, Jax. Everybody thinks the rules don't apply to them. I'm a pretty smart guy. I've accomplished some cool stuff in my life. And once a quarter, my SmartVestor Pro will call me and say, do not open your mail. You don't need to see it because then I'm going to start hassling him. I'm going to want to move this and get out of this. And I know not to. And I still, oh, so hard. I can't help. So I need a coach, man. It's accountability. i got to have somebody in my corner. Absolutely. If you're just using a SmartVestor Pro to just choose a fund, then you're missing the point. It's way bigger than that. And there's nothing wrong with index funds. We're big fans of those. Uh, we just find that you can beat them over the long run. So thanks for the call, man. This is The Ramsey Show. This is The Ramsey Show. I'm George Camel, co-piloted with my friend, Dr. John Deloney, this hour. Co-piloted with? That's a word, I think. Wow. Uh, listen, this is why you have two PhDs, and I'm just a guy, all right? Nope, I'm happy to be co-piloted with you. Well, speaking of education, John, BuzzFeed is where I get all of my information. <laughs> and this article came across the old desk here, and I thought you would like it. As mm-hmm. I know, you you don't look at a lot of BuzzFeed articles. I'm a huge Buzz, BuzzFeed fan. Well, here's the headline. Um, with what money? Millennials and Gen Z are sharing the money tips they think are super outdated considering the fact we're all super broke. Very relatable, very empathetic on BuzzFeed's part. Mm-hmm. I, I see why this is so popular. So I want to read a few and get your, your commentary, if you will. Here's one. Someone said, anytime someone tells me to save money, I automatically roll my eyes. I would love to be able to have a savings of some kind, but with inflation twerking all over the place, it's impossible, especially when my son keeps growing out of his clothes every other month. Even thrift store prices are getting ridiculous. 
What do you mm. think, John? Um, I think this is a case of uh, the great Brene Brown says, whatever you go looking for in the world, you're sure to find. And so sometimes instead of staring at the reality, the totality of our reality, and that I realize that rhymes and I should probably be an artist, uh, a poet. Um, if you got to look at all of your reality, including where you live, what you're doing for a living, what is reality for you right now? I wish I had all this extra time with my kids, but right now we're broke and we, well, I, I can't afford that time right now because I got to go get another job. Like, and it's hard, heartbreaking conversations people have in half. Then somebody says, hey, you need to pay your bills. You need to work to save some money. It's easy to laser in on that one little word, save, and blow up all of the truth and wisdom in that sentiment because that particular thing doesn't apply to you in this particular hard season that you're in. Um, it's, it's an easy way to avoid reality. Mm-hmm. And so um, everyone should be saving money, and not everybody can right now. Both of those things are true. And so if that's not you right now, don't roll your eyes, exhale, and say, I'm going to work really hard and get there, right? That's good. And that's why our baby steps are one at a time, focus intensity. Yeah. So we only want you to save $1,000 when you get started. Yes. No more, because it is overwhelming. And you're going to have to sell some stuff. It's going to be super uncomfortable. Not fun. Anybody who goes into this thing that's going to be a blast is missed the point completely. It's not going to be. All right, here's another one. Someone said, sell your car and get a cheaper, older one. This is terrible advice. Repairs and unreliable transportation are a financial nightmare. And again, that's somebody saw the word cheaper, older one, the words cheaper, older one, and they immediately went to, it falls apart and you can't have a cheaper nonsense. In in their mind, they're picturing like a 1970s Oldsmobile. Right. Or they're picturing a, a... something that's not even real. They're not picturing anything. They're yeah. just trying to pull apart an argument, right? What this is saying is, uh, l- let me say this in a different way. You don't deserve, there's no cosmic right to a new car. There's no cosmic right to the car of your dreams. That's why they call it of your dreams because it's not real. It's not a real thing. Um, well, new cars are an all-time high. And so what they're saying is, hey, instead of driving something older that's going to catch on fire on the interstate because someone drove it before me, I'm going to drive a brand new $45,000 car under the guise of safety and reliability. Right. Instead of, I want it because it makes me feel good and I want to look good. That's right. And this argument is particularly challenging when someone brings it to you or me because both of us are not car people. We've always driven used cars. We always drive old used cars. I bought my first new car, I think ever, the other day. Wow. At what age? At 45. And so there we go. And I made it, right? And so all I have to say is, like, man, you can have a great, wonderful, wonderful, great life with a old, cheaper used car. Absolutely. And uh, there's no such thing as, well, it's going to have way more repairs and it's unreliable. Do an inspection. Get a Honda or your favorite the Toyota, Toyotas. And it'll what did run you used to call them? Toyota. I do it like Yoda from Star Wars and All James right. gets mad at me. Well, so does America. Sorry. It's my Arabic accent coming out, James. Sorry. All right. Here's one for you, John. Um, I'm so sick of hearing that I should buy a house right now just to have one. Maybe that was a great idea a few years ago, but houses in my area are currently selling for at least double, maybe even triple what they were three years ago. Also, along with home ownership comes the regular and irregular costs that can range from basic utilities to needing a whole new roof. It's just not realistic or even logical. This one, I actually agree with. Well, let me... That everyone needs a house and you should be in a house and and why aren't you in a house and renting's a sin. 
I, but I don't like the first sentence. I've so never heard here. somebody say, you need a house just to have one. Nobody says that. That is twisting an argument to make it sound a little bit off kilter, a little bit dumb, so that then you can pull it apart. Just be honest. A lot of people, particularly our parents' age, say, if, if you rent something, you're just throwing your money away. I've heard that multiple times from people a generation or two ahead. Well-meaning people. Exactly. And in their world, that was accurate. In our world, it's not. Renting is a wise thing. I've I've rented at every stage of my life. Whenever time me and my wife move and me and my kids move, we rent until we get set right. So just like you said, you're exactly right. It's not logical or realistic for a lot of people right now. Yeah. Cool. Make peace with it. Smile. And that's okay. Now, should it be a long-term goal? I think it's a great goal to have long-term. Mm-hmm. Does it need to happen tomorrow? No. There's great flexibility. There's great wisdom. You're offloading the risk onto someone else, and you're paying for the priv- privilege of all of that. That's right. Uh, that's a good one. All right. Have three to six months worth of expenses in your account in case of emergency. That's great. But when I can barely make all my bills each month, what money am I supposed to be saving? So they agree with the advice that you should have a savings account, an emergency fund, but they're angry uh, that people are recommending this as if it's some, something they can just go do. And the conversations I've had around this, around this, very, this very issue over my career, most of the people in my career that I've hired um, – were, it was their first or second job. They were they were new to the job world. And so there was an expectation that now that I've got this degree and this position at this university, this this degree with this this many years of experience, the world's just going to hand me this much money. And unfortunately, often, this is what this job paid. And so it was less about where's all this money I'm supposed to be saving and more about sitting back and going, okay, I wanted to do this career and I wanted to make this much money. Right now, the world isn't paying this much money for this career. I need to have a hard conversation with, am I going to change my, am I going to reduce how much I spend? Am I going to get a new job? Am I going to move? Right? All, all incredibly hard conversations. But the idea that I went and did a thing, I got this education, I got this training and I want to live here and I want to work there, and I want to make this much money. Those three things are not automatic, and they often don't work together. And, man, we have a culture that's having a hard time reconciling those three things. Well, they were sold a lot of lies, and now they're met with a harsh reality. Right. And so the gap between those two just keeps I watched wider. Friends. I want to work in a retail store, have a 4,000-square-foot apartment in downtown. Where It's just not real. I've been watching Seinfeld. Kramer is unemployed the entire series, and I, the guy lives in a New York apartment. Across the hall from a comedian. Right? Gosh, what a sitcom. All right, last one for you, John. This is uh, very close to home. Someone said the majority of Dave Ramsey's financial advice, especially if you're working on paying off debt, the only time you should see the inside of a restaurant is if you're working there. With the student loan crisis as it is, my $20 meal at a restaurant once a month isn't going to make a difference in whether I pay off 50 grand in student loans. I've paid my loans every single month, and right now I owe more than I originally took out 10 years ago, all due to student loan interest. I'm done with the shaming and being told I don't deserve a life or the ability to be out in public. That's right. That's that's always been Dave's advice. You're not allowed to be out in public, John. Yeah, Dave's big on uh, shaming people and telling them they don't deserve a life. I think he's in Cabo right now, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. Living here. Last we checked. I, I I mean, again, this is someone who's struggling and is upset, and I'm not. I'm not going to be mad. Um, well, because to them, all they have in life, John, is this takeout meal. That's yeah. it. That's all they're left with. But it's a symbol. It's saying, what are you willing to sacrifice right now 
that will add up to where you have 500 bucks that month and then 600 bucks the next month to where you can be debt free one day. $20 against 50,000. That's right. That's good math. That's not how often people go to restaurants. That also doesn't take into account the hours you could be working instead of sitting in that restaurant earning more the other way, right? So mm. anyway, there's a whole different conversation here. This is just a tough spirit to work through. And if you have this attitude heading into any problem in your life, yeah. you're not going to get it solved. This fatalistic attitude isn't going to get us anywhere. So we've got to change our attitude, change our behavior, change our thoughts. We're rooting for you all out there. This is The Ramsey Show. This is The Ramsey Show. I'm George Campbell, joined by Dr. John Deloney this hour, and we're taking your calls at 888-825-5225. Hey, George, this is awesome. I heard about this news, John. It's big time. I'm hoping I can get an invite to this. What's going on? You will not be invited. Every time I talk about this event, I get more fired up because it's going to be fantastic. Money and marriage is back, and this time, instead of just one night... It's going to be an entire weekend. We're going to set up a marriage retreat. This fall, me and Rachel Cruz are going to be here in Nashville for the Money and Marriage Getaway, an entire weekend unplugged from your day-to-day life, simply focusing on your marriage. Here's the deal. It's in October. You have time to start planning now. Financially, you have time to start planning for childcare. Figure it out. you got a long runway on this one. And by the way, if you are three months into the new year and you've already blown it completely, This is a great way to pick up the back half of your year, okay? I guess the back, the final quarter of the year. We're going to cover things like money and budgeting with your spouse. We're going to talk about connection, sex and intimacy, kids, the whole thing, and we'll get you planning for your future together. And this isn't what you think of when you think of a marriage conference. You're going to learn a ton, but we're also going to give you and your spouse time together throughout the weekend to reflect on and discuss what you're learning. And Rachel and I will be there to coach you and answer your questions. And we've got some rad surprises along the way. This is Nashville. It's going to be fun. We have friends and guests going to show up. It's going to be a blast. If you're listening and this sounds like something you and your spouse need, um, talk to your spouse about this. Tickets are $6.99 a couple, which is a deal if you've ever been to a three-day marriage conference. It's a great experience, a deal, especially here in Nashville. $6.99 a couple. Go to RamseySolutions.com slash events to save your spot. RamseySolutions.com slash events. Love it. Pump for that. And you and Whitney can go. I'll get y'all half-price tickets. I'll take that. I don't know often get a deal from you, so I thank you for thinking of us. I'll get you in. I'll get you in. I hope so. Well, hey, if you're a new listener to the show and you've been hearing us talk about these baby steps and 3B and 6 and what's going on here, we want to give you a a deeper dive on this at RamseySolutions.com. All you need to do is click on that Get Started button and we'll help you know, help you figure out what that next best step is for your financial journey based on your situation and where you're at today. That's RamseySolutions.com and click on the Get Started button. Sorry about that, man. I sneezed right when you're doing that, man. It's all right. I'm used to it. I mean, you have a mute button just for everyone listening out there. I John used could it. have stopped it. It just comes through your microphone and then somebody's driving thinking they just blew a tire while they're going down the road. <laughs> that was me. That was me. Not oh, boy. All right. Let's go to the phones. Adam joins us in Buffalo, New York. Adam, welcome to the show. George, Dr. John, thank you very much for taking the call. I appreciate it. Sure. What's your question today? So, I was recently fired from my job of 14 years. Oh, man. Can we pause right there for a second? Go ahead. What was your job? I uh, worked for a pet food manufacturer. If you ever gave your dogs, like, the most popular pet food treats on the planet, I made them for you. Wow. Well, on behalf of George's two dogs that he treats better than I treat my kids, thank you. 
Their food budget's bigger than mine. Pretty awesome. And in all seriousness, um, you've probably heard me or Ken say this, but the the research data says that when you get fired from your job, it's as devastating to your body as losing a loved one. It's overwhelming. It's hard. And so I know it's real easy to be like, all right, I'm back on the, it, like, man, it's it sucks. And I'm sorry. Like, just as your friend, I'm sorry. Them first few days were really rough. I pretty much stayed in my room in the fetal position trying to figure out what I was going to do with my future. And that's what I'm coming to you guys with today is what do I do moving forward from this? I don't want to work for anybody else. I'd rather start my own business. I'm not leaving there empty handed. And I use the baby steps to get myself out of debt and actually save up. And I'm doing well for myself. It's just, what do I do now? I'm lost. Very cool, man. Um, well, congratulations for setting yourself up for this moment. Um, so I guess the magic questions are, what do you want to do? Well, here's the problem. The thing that I'm kind of passionate about and that I want to do is one of the highest failure businesses there is. I'd like to go into the restaurant business. Okay. Tell me about it. I was uh, I was looking at two different properties. Uh, one's worth about 320000 and the other one's worth about 250000 And uh, both of them are turnkey establishments ready to go. One I'd have like a 45-minute commute to. The other one I'd have, you know, five-minute commute to. But one's got a lot better population density and would draw in more people. The other one's closer to home and where I'm more known and have a good name. It's, yeah, uh, I'm scared to dive head into this you should, without any oh, you should be you should be yeah you should be um i don't think that 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 being your next move is super wise i'd much rather see you go get a job in a restaurant and work your way around that restaurant to make sure this is what you want to do before you go sink a quarter of a million dollars into something you're gonna find yourself i, I, I get it i get it i, I get it do I, I failed to mention I did work in a restaurant when I was 19 years old. I did bus tables and I washed dishes and I enjoyed the environment and stuff like that. But moving into a management role and learning every single position. Yes. That's, I think the on the job training would be smart and I'm actually looking at that option, but at the same time, I don't want to miss out on an opportunity to buy a place. That's not going to be there a year. There will, always, Do you have the cash right now to buy that place? Uh, right now, liquid, I'm worth, uh, I have $96,000 in an individual investment account. I have $140,000 in a 401k. We're not touching I'm that. Le- we're not going to withdraw that right. to start this business. All right. And, uh, I have $51,000 coming in a pension from, uh, from Nestle that my former employer, which I was going to cash that out and start the business. Cause that's not really going to grow much more where it's at. So, but you would get a fifty-one thousand uh, dollar check straight to your account that you can do what you want with. Yes. So I'm basically worth one hundred and fifty liquid right now, plus fifteen thousand dollars in my emergency fund. It's so. Let me say this: If Dave called me right now on my cell phone and said, "Hey, John, um, a buddy of mine is selling his ten million dollar property, and he's my friend, and he's going to sell it for two. It's a deal. It's an eight million dollar discount." But I don't want it. But I know you and your wife are looking for some other property. I got this for you. Give him a call, and it's yours for two million. I would have to tell him that's the deal of a lifetime that would change my family's future, and I don't have two million dollars, so I can't buy this thing. 
So you've got some, you've got a deal in your head and you don't have the money to even close that deal, regardless of whether it's a good deal or not. And I'm, I don't think it's wise to do it. I would love to see you spend six months, begin to heal from getting laid off, learn the restaurant industry in your area, get tied in. You did this when you were 19. I did stuff when I was 19. You know what else I did when I was 19? I went running a lot. I used to do jujitsu. I can't even touch my toes anymore, man. So like, we change over time. I'd love to see you get back in there and slow play this a little bit. You got some money so that if things get tight, you're going to be able to pay your bills. You've done all the right things. Don't race out. Basically what you're doing is you just got a divorce. Don't run in and marry the first person you just meet. Don't do that. Spend some time healing, spend some time dating a little bit, and then you're going to find somebody. And talk to other restaurant owners and see how they did it. And the ones that you respect And maybe you scale this thing up. Maybe it starts with, hey, I'm going to do a food truck. I'm going to buy a truck with cash, and I'm going to do this to see if it's a viable option. And I'm going to scale up to a restaurant once we have enough business. Maybe it's a crowdfunded thing. Who knows what you could do and how much money you could save for the future. But right now, this being like, it's now or never, man. I got the opportunity. That is when a bad decision gets made that... And we see these sad stories. You've probably heard of them. These business owners, and you said the restaurant industry, high turnover rate for these things failing. And when you do it with debt, it just adds insult to injury. Because now you have a failed business and a pile of debt to deal with. And those are the saddest situations. About one of the properties that was kind of making me lean towards it was there's an apartment above. And if I put $100,000 down on a mortgage payment for this place and rent the apartment out above, the apartment above actually pays the mortgage claim payment on it, and then I'm rolling. I'm playing with house money, right? Where are you living? Well, currently, right now, I live at my brother's house. So. Okay, that's not a good long-term plan. I think we got to pause on this whole situation. I want it for you long-term. I, I wouldn't love do it, this man. Dream. I wouldn't do it. I can hear it in your voice. You're going to do it anyway. I'm just telling Ugh. you. When this thing goes sideways, call me and George, and we'll be here for you. We're not even going to be mean to you. But the chance of this not working is strong to quite strong, man. Take mm. care of yourself. Yeah. Thanks for the call. That puts this hour of The Ramsey Show in the books. My thanks to my co-host, Dr. John Deloney, all the guys in the booth, and you, America. Appreciate you listening. We'll be back real soon. Hey, it's George Camel. If you like what you heard in this episode and want to know more about getting started on the Ramsey Baby Steps, go to RamseySolutions.com and click on the Get Started button. We'll help you figure out the best next step for you based on your specific situation. That's RamseySolutions.com and click Get Started.